The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan and attorney Ray Judice. Your day in court with renowned lawyers Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice, Tuck Howard on Extra 106.3. I always like to start the show by introducing you to Ray and Bruce and also allowing you to have the information to get a hold of them in your time of need. Bruce, we'll start with you. You know, I think it's only fair that Ray goes first today. Well, I always okay. go first. Okay, fi- fair enough. <laughs> Thank like you. I, I'm in the mood to share. I like that. I like it too. Ray Judice, 404-964-4185. That's my cell phone. Office is now in Roswell. Moved up, up to Roswell about two years ago from Buckhead, where I've been for 30 years. RayGLaw.com on the web. And we're going to talk about some of those things, about websites and cell phones. The power and of marketing. The power of marketing, legal marketing, later on in the show. Absolutely. Bruce, how do folks get you if they what need a great you? great tease. See, that's why I wanted Ray to start this off. That's right. Uh, Bruce Hagen, easy to find me. H-A-G-E-N is the spelling. You can call me on my cell phone anytime, 404-202-2233. You can also text me on that number, which, believe it or not, works better. Um, I have raised three children, so texting uh, works much better than, than anything else. Um, phone number I, I gave you, an email, bruce at hagen-law.com. Check out that great website, tons of useful information. One thing uh, that is probably the most popular thing on my website, um, and unlike marketing tools, is actually really useful, um, is the parent-slash-teenage-driver contract. So if you are the parent of a young driver or a new driver, um, take a look at it because it's a great way to set out some responsibilities for your teenager as well as some responsibilities for yourself as parents um, to make sure that you're reacting properly and uh, setting out expectations for what it means when um, somebody's going to have this enormous responsibility of driving a car. Easily found on the website a Discussion that might not be quite as easy. In the first segment, we're going to cover Bruce and Ray were right. Now, I know this is going to be a challenge for y'all to uh, to admit how right you were about the Chrisleys. Because when we uh, went back and listened to the original segment when th- this whole thing came down and we we're waiting on their sentencing, um, the suggestion was for Todd, 22 years, and for Julie, 13 years. You both said that uh, they would end up with 120 months, and that being Todd, and then uh, about 75 to 80 months for Julie, about uh, 10 years and then eight years respectively, and bam, you're right. Yeah, you know, when you said it's the uh, Bruce and Ray were right segment, I really didn't know which uh, of the many opinions we <laughs> gave you were going to choose from. I was but, just springing on um, you. This is becoming my favorite segment. I uh, I'm sure one day we'll have to face up to the Bruce and Ray were wrong segment. You would never do that. It would be a terrible idea. Today is not that day. <laughs> um, Don't you get that at home and at the office <laughs> enough? <laughs> yeah. that's yes, right. that certainly uh, you know, kept in my place properly. But but for today, yes, we were right about that. And, and not only about the end result, but how it got there. Uh, because the 
Uh, of course, the Chrisleys maintain their innocence. They will appeal their their convictions for various reasons that may or may not succeed. I, you know, I'm not aware of any obvious error in the way the case was tried, but they'll appeal. There's nothing to stop them from it other than the cost. Um, but the way that the judge ended up with sentencing was pretty much exactly the way we said. If you recall, the uh, feds made their sentencing recommendation, and it was 22 years a recommendation. I thought maybe 17 to 22 was, yeah, for, for, yep. for Todd. And, and 13 I think, for Julie. Right. And, and um, we know that the defense was going to get their ability to make the recommendation. And rather than just walk in and say— Judge, these folks should not spend one single day in prison because of X, Y, Z. The defense did not do that, and we think that that probably is what mitigated the judge's ultimate sentence. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we talked about was, you know, you need—well, you don't need to. They were represented by fine lawyers, and they picked a strategy, and they consulted with their clients about how do we approach it. Uh, and they went in, you know, with, we want nothing. <laughs> we don't want to do nothing, which kind of means you're not really saying that you're remorseful or you, you did embezzle uh, $30 million and there are banks and individuals holding the bag. Uh, do you come in with an offer, you know, something that the judge will at least say, well, okay, that's, you're showing remorse. Uh, you're conceding that you may have done something wrong and that you are prepared to serve some time and, and, you know, pay your debt to society. Uh, they went for the gusto and went for straight probation and the judge came back and whacked them pretty good. Um, you know, you might've gone in there and say, well, 48 months, 60 months, it tends to be in months. That's just how I think about federal sentencing. Uh, that's some, at least the judge says, well, okay, that's a, a reasonable starting point. Let's, let's talk from there. And, and Bruce is probably no different in the very effective settlement negotiations that you've done with certain insurance companies or more so with lawyers that you know and say, hey, look, I've, you've had a case with lawyer Smith for years, many cases. He or she is pretty reasonable. If I come in reasonable with my counterproposal or my initial offer, they'll make a reasonable counter. Is, I mean, or, no, I th- or people that are just jerks and you have to start at a million dollars on a, on a $100,000 case. You're right about it when it's between the lawyers. Yes, yeah, so it's when more it's, so with the lawyers. When it's between the lawyer and the insurance company, it's gen- it generally just doesn't work that way. But but when we go to mediations, and of course it's always the insurance company that controls the ultimate um, decision on how much they're willing to pay on a claim. But if the lawyers go outside into the hallway and just talk between us, we can narrow down the range to, to the point that say, we agree what this case worth, with exception. I mean, sometimes people see things differently, and it may be because they're motivated by the desire not to settle that case and keep churning the file and billing that insurance company client. But but if, if people are being objective about it and certainly experienced lawyers, you're, you're usually going to be in the same ballpark for what a case is worth. I, Probably so when it comes to sentencing. If you were speaking to a seasoned prosecutor, you you two would be right on the mark. That, that doesn't mean the judge is going to go along. Yeah, with and that would be a conversation that the prosecutor and I may have in his or her office or in the hallway away from everybody else. I can't lip read and say, look, I think my guy can swallow X. But, you know, give me something to work with. Give how, me something close enough. How long ago enough. was it when those conversations were taking place uh, at the tavern near the courthouse? <laughs> and, uh, used to happen more often. And also, just even going back to the insurance world, what Bruce knows much better than me, but I know a little bit about it. I mean, there used to be an adjuster, and it's crazy, but his name was Wayne Williams, an older guy from Boston who was with a great company, a good insurance company, is Amica. I mean, Bruce may disagree, but it's a pretty good company. And he would just come to your office unannounced, say, come on, let's go get lunch. Let's talk about the case, what, where you think this is going. 
I had him write checks in the office. Yeah, I was gonna say he would bring his checkbook. He'd bring his checkbook, <laughs> and he was serious. But he had authority. He was had probably been with the company for thirty five years. You know the, yeah. that kind of guy. And and in my world, the limited amount of cases I handle like that. Uh, I'm dealing with very inexperienced adjusters who are getting marching orders and, you know, averages and, and, and computer generated. This is the most you can get in Fulton County. And I'm like, you don't know Fulton County. That computer ain't never been in a courtroom in Fulton County. Yeah, no, you're, you're 100 percent right. And um, oftentimes when we file a lawsuit, um, the case gets escalated to a more senior adjuster and you know, if, if we can't get something resolved, litigation is never the first option in a personal injury case. I don't want to say never, but it's it's almost never the first option because it's not really in the client's best interest to immediately launch into being a party to a lawsuit. But if an insurance company is not going to offer you something fair, your choice is do what the TV lawyers do and accept that settlement and move on or fight for something fair. And so you file a lawsuit and then that... Um, oftentimes will result in a more senior, more experienced adjuster with some individual authority to go beyond what the computer model allows them to do, and then you can get cases resolved. And that senior adjuster may have a longer relationship with their legal counsel, and they may pick up the phone and say, hey, I've got, I just got a lawsuit from uh, Hagen. Is he any good? Yeah, he's great. Uh, it's filed in Fulton County State Court. Is that a bad place or, or Clayton State? Yeah, you don't want to go down there. They're, those juries are giving out money, which is kind of crazy how it's changed in well, my look, lifetime. I'll tell you one thing that hasn't changed. There's a, re a reason that 20 years ago I uh, bought a building just De down the street from the DeKalb County Courthouse because there's no place you'd rather be as a plaintiff than DeKalb County. I think that's right. Um, and it's crazy how it's changed. It has changed. Yes. It used to be Fulton County was at the top of the list, mm -hmm. near there, and you never wanted to go to Gwinnett. And, and now, given the choice between Gwinnett, Gwinnett and Fulton, I would take Gwinnett for a plaintiff. every single day. So long story short, again, back in the day, in the 80s, if we filed a lawsuit, and we would file and probably serve, if it was a company or business, the registered agent for service, which was usually some lawyer in Atlanta, in one of the big office buildings. And, of course, then you'd get Fulton County jurisdiction. Well, the insurance companies all thought they were so smarty-smart, so they moved all the registered agents for service out to Gwinnett County, where right now they're getting roasted. Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. getting roasted. Well, and the ones who have stayed ahead of that curve uh, are going have to further out. Coweta County, Forsyth <laughs> County, you know, they're going further up right. into North Georgia. Um, because they're just they, tend to be they, more conservative yeah. jerks and juries. Well, and 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 you know, a hundred thousand mm -hmm. uh, dollars is, is a lot more money to folks who live in an area where there are fewer jobs, and um, you know, you can buy a lot of firewood for that, as opposed to living in the city and you know having to deal with city prices. It's it's just it's a lot more money up there, and and so it's harder to get big verdicts. And once again, I'm pat and visualize me patting myself on the back. What we and I, what Bruce and I have just been talking about is the difference between coming to see lawyers like us who know these little between the lines things. Okay, how how high is the infield grass? Is it a good a good field to bunt on because the ball's going to roll slow, as opposed to quite frankly, the uh, you know the big law firms on the billboards on the side of the highway where you've got some fourth fourth year out of law school associate lawyer who has never been in the courtroom doesn't know about the registered agent of service maybe isn't from around here because you and I may not have started here but we've been here a long time and we know these things. It's it's funny that you bring that up because leading into our next segment, 
Right, you mentioned fine lawyers, and Bruce, you mentioned TV lawyers, and then you mentioned just now uh, young law firm or young uh, lawyers in big law firms. Sometimes bigger isn't always better. That's what I hear anyway. And when we come back, how can you avoid hiring a bad lawyer because of good marketing? Next on Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice, this is Extra 1063, Atlanta's only conservative news and talk station. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Ballou here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Giudice on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Giudice on Extra 106.3. My name is Tug Cowart. These guys have seen it all. When it comes to marketing, they have seen everything. Going back to, and, and you've both told stories about buying ads in the phone book and making sure that you did whatever it takes to get your name at the top of the page. So marketing for law firms goes back as long as you've been in the business and both have been in there for quite some time. So how do people avoid hiring a bad lawyer because of slick marketing and because there's a lot out there. There's some great catchphrases. There's to make one call. There's the bigger is better. But neither one of those are making the person you're calling on the other end of the line a good lawyer. Yeah, and this is a delicate topic for uh, folks who are doing a show that runs on a radio station that relies on advertising revenues when we know that uh, the the big firms are some of the big advertisers, certainly on the sister station of The Extra. Yeah, for the um, fan. I, you know, Ray and I were the only lawyers on 680 The Fan for years. It was just us. And now, you know, I've joked around, but I mean, we've seen so many 
lawyers both come and go, you know, sticking their toe in the water, and some have stuck around, you know. So it's a delicate subject for the business that relies on advertising revenue. But we live in a world where it's so easy to create a perception of yourself without there being any substance to it. When it comes to legal advertising, all you need is money. Underlying this, what the public doesn't know is that the money that goes into advertising is rarely money that's paid directly out of the pockets of the lawyers who are doing the advertising. There are banks that cater specifically to lawyers who will finance your entire advertising campaign, essentially taking liens against the individual cases and potentially even having the interest on those loans charged against individual cases where the clients themselves are paying it. It's an insidious way for anybody to just get the word out there that makes it appear like I'm a lawyer of substance and a lawyer of quality. And it used to be that in order to put yourself out there as a lawyer of substance and quality, you actually had to have substance and quality behind you. Not to get too old school about it, but it used to be if you needed a lawyer, you would ask your friend or somebody at work or, you know, you put the word out and it was a referral. And most of my early business in the 80s was all referred mostly. Bruce and I are social people and we'd go to the lawyers Christmas parties and we'd have throw a few parties ourselves and you know break bread with people and you know make friends with the divorce lawyers so they send you the criminal cases make friends (laughs) with the corporate folks and they send you the PI cases and that's what we did that's how we built our foundations sure we both do this is in a way advertising what we're doing right here now we're not running an ad but yeah we give out our cell phone number but it's kind of our phone number rather than 111666 hurt (laughs) the one that I've seen most recently is all the same number it's like yeah. 404, yeah. 111111, you know, so, so it's just easy to remember, I suppose. And, and those are expensive to get. How do I know? I've looked into it. It's like mm-hmm. that's, that, I've done radio advertising, which is more branding. It's a little bit of a subtle distinction. Those are expensive numbers to get, and and, and it's it, it's not an easy thing to procure. I so think so that you one, know people are spending a fortune, and they're marketing the phone number. I think the thing that most consumers and most perhaps of our listeners are going to look at a lawyer, they're going to go to the internet. I mean, that's that's where you go for everything, pretty much. You're going to go to the, the lawyer Amazon, the functional equivalent, and you're going to see, you know, 20 lawyers that do your area law, if not 200 lawyers of your question, and whoever's at the top, they weren't put at the top of the page by Google or Fine Law because they're the best. They just paid the most to get to the top. As somebody who has a presence on the internet and you want to be seen because the content you're providing to the world is relevant to this person's search. So I'm aware of these things. I don't think the consuming public is as aware of it. And I know this just from family members because they'll do searches and click on the first thing they see very often, which if you look at the top, it says sponsored, it says ad. What it means is that people are spending money just to be the first thing that comes up when you search for plumber, locksmith, lawyer, you know, whatever it is, right? If nothing else, scroll past that. When you're doing a search on your phone or on the computer at home, scroll past all those sponsored links because the first one that is not a paid ad, the first one is not a sponsored link, is going to be something that the algorithms of Google or or whatever search engine you're using have identified as being the thing that is the highest quality that's responsive to the thing you're searching for. And that's one way that you say, all right, I'm not going to just be taken in by the first thing that pops up. I might have to go to page two, right? Whoever looks on page two, 
And so at least get past the ones that the pe- the only reason people are there are that they're paid. You want to hear something horrible? There are big law firms out there, and, and you know them if you've ever turned on your television. Of course, during political ad season, we don't see anything other than political ads. But if you ever turn on your television, you know who these big spenders are on lawyer ads. They will buy up Ray Judice's name, Bruce Hagen's name, yes. every other lawyer's name. So you could search for me and, and still end up still names, come up. Right. Their firm is going to pop up before mine will, even when you're searching for me by name. It's a legal, barely legal practice, but also it's it's one that can, it, it just misleads people is, is the problem. But you know, one analogy I would like to make is that think about how we now receive our medical care and services. Used to be we had a family doctor, doctor had treated your mom and your dad and then you, 27 pages of history, maybe his or her partners knew you too, and they had privileges over at the hospital. And again, I'm trying not to be a, you know, get off my yard guy, but now it's corporate medicine. Does anybody really think they're being better served by corporate no. medicine? Well, there's not a whole lot difference in, you know, now a law firm that's got 800 offices doing, you know, auto wreck cases. Well, come on. They don't have, there's not enough good personal injury lawyers in the country to fully staff 800 or however many hundred offices. just not. And they're not filing lawsuits on the good cases. They're settling them as quickly as they can to cover the overhead. It's a never-ending shoveling of coal into this locomotive. And the more cars and boxcars you put on the locomotive, Motive, the more coal you got to shovel into that engine. And it's almost exclusively personal injury lawyers that are doing the advertising. To bankruptcy some, to some extent, is, you see yeah, bankruptcy, you yeah. see divorce. Occasionally you might see a criminal law thing, but it's it's usually pretty limited and it's, it's not much. Uh, but it's, it's the personal injury field really where there's the most. Instagram and social media has changed the game too because it's so easy to create a perception of yourself without there being anything to it. And, and again, another thing, I don't know how much the average consumer is aware of this sort of thing, but you can by followers for your social media presence. And and Instagram can see through that, but the public doesn't. And so there's one lawyer in particular that I know of, and he's got a ton of content he puts out there on Instagram. And you look at it, it's like 1.2 million followers. Like, how does... And how does why? This, and why? What, what? How would you get... You know, you're 28 years old, 30. You've been doing this a short time. You haven't tried a case. I know that. And you've got a million and a half followers because you've got like cute TikTok-y sort of yeah. things here and a little bit of content. And you then you start digging below the surface and you realize, oh, these are bought and paid for. And this knowledge that's being dropped on people is flashy, but it lacks any substance or meaning or value. But to somebody looking at it, it's like, oh, that guy has a million and a half followers. I'm going to follow him. He must be something. You know, there's, he's, you become a law, a law influencer, which is, again, and it sounds like a get off my lawn sort of thing. That's, that's not the same as like, who is the best lawyer to represent me? If, if I develop a specific type of, I don't know, inner ear cancer, I, I'm going to want to know who is the doctor in the world that is the specialist in inner ear cancer so I can go get treatment from that person. I don't want the guy who, you know, has flashy TikToks and a picture of his plane uh, to then say like, yeah, that's the guy I want um, because look at his, his, really, he's got to be great with that big his, plane. He's great. He's, he's TikToking and he, and he's doing like a really funny dance. He must be cool and great. I'm going to, I'm going to hire him. I want the guy who has done this procedure 10,000 times and has experience, has experience. And, and by the way, teaches it, 
um, has done it successfully, has a track record of doing it, and is still doing it. What's the uh, the original MASH movie with, uh, I forgot the original actor's names, not Alan Alda, but Elliot that's from Gould. TV, Elliot Gould, and, you know, they're the pros from Dover. Donald Sutherland. Yeah, we're flying into Tokyo for a week in, in the hotel in Tokyo to operate on the general's daughter's heart, and we're, you know, because we're the best. We're, we do battlefield surgery every day. And so if you got a case that may go to court, find out if your lawyer goes to court. Find out how many times they go to court. Wins and losses are not that critical. Wins and losses are overrated in our industry because what some people determine is a win or a loss. I may have a 15-count indictment and my client gets convicted of a misdemeanor and not guilty on 14 felonies. Trust me, big victory, okay? You know, you may have made a $5 million demand, but you got 3.9 million plus punitives. Big victory. So do that. Also, go to the State Bar of Georgia. There's information about all of us in there. When did we start practicing? How long? I've been licensed since July, June of 1985. Where did I go to law school? Maybe that's not the most critical thing, but it might be important to you. Vanderbilt, I didn't go there. You know, Vanderbilt makes some pretty good lawyers. That starts off with, hey, sure. that's a good conversation. Let's go further. Um, how, many, how many cases have you tried? That, that mm-hmm. is a very legitimate question mm-hmm. to ask a trial lawyer, criminal or civil. How many cases have you tried? Because... What does it mean to try cases, right? As a criminal lawyer, it means, does that mean that you suck as a criminal lawyer because you're having to try your cases? Or does it mean that you don't sell out your clients and and agree to these um, offers from the Usually state poor offers, probably. That are just terrible for your client. And so you're willing to take a case and try it, even though you might lose. I have to laugh. There's some lawyer who is a... Uh, well, I'm sorry. There was a, crim- a medical malpractice defense lawyer I'm thinking of, but also a very famous prosecutor who uh, was known to keep her blouse buttoned down low and Ray, Ray knows very well. But, you know, they, they claim like <laughs> we never lost a trial, right? It's like if you've never lost a trial, it's because you're trying cases that you are hand picking and, and that you're not just trying whatever needs to be tried. You're really being selective about what you try. Okay, if that's your thing, that's your thing. But ask the lawyer, why, how, do you, why do you, or how many cases have you tried? And it matters, right? Because it means that on the criminal side, this is a person who's willing to stand up Not and afraid to go. Yeah. On the civil case, it's like, this is a person who will put my case in front of six or 12 members of the community and let them decide rather than just accept whatever it is that you're hearing from the other side. And if you don't have that trial experience. If you're if you're a lawyer whose practice is built on either plea bargains or settlements, that's a symptom that you may not be with a lawyer who is really dedicated and capable of fighting for you to the utmost extent. So I think that's a question that's a legitimate and question to ask. It is, and, and unfortunately for most young lawyers nowadays, it's very hard to get that jury trial experience. Uh, unless you go into the prosecutor's office or the public defender's office because you're going to be inundated with cases for trial. But in the civil world, it used to be, Tug, back in the day, the law firm would have a partner, maybe a senior partner, a middle-level partner, and that partner would have one or two junior associates on his or her team. And those those younger lawyers were, you know, maybe they considered themselves to be briefcase carriers, but you know what? They carried the briefcase to the courthouse and they sat at a council table and maybe they handled papers, but they watched the senior partner pick a jury, uh, how to address the court. How do you, how do you manage the case during the, while your plane is up in the air, you know, basically during a trial, that's what it's like. Uh, that doesn't go anymore. Uh, the insurance companies especially 
have cut out that type of training, right? They don't pay they don't pay the law firms to have an associate on a case unless it's a, you know, six figures or higher case. Sure. Uh, but what they do have are, you know, in-house counsel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, you know, State Farm, Allstate, Progressive, they've got um, attorneys on the payroll who they'll use to just defend the cases. And you talk about a way to get an experience. It's very similar to, to working in a solicitor's office where it's like, just this file comes along, I've got to go try it. And, and they'll try a lot of cases. Um, but, you know, I question really the value of that particular trial experience because it's it's just being there. It's we, not really we, learning a craft. We both know a, a lawyer by the name of Joe Murphy. Joe is now a, a principal owner of Miles Mediation, and he's a wonderful mediator in himself. In fact, he, just a little history, he was on the Emory Mock Trial Team, Moot Trial Court Team of 1987, and I was their instructor. So I'm partly responsible for whatever mistakes Joe Murphy makes. But for years, he worked for an insurance defense company and did, you know, whiplash cases and fender benders and he used to have a great expression i've tried 2000 jury trials and they've all been exactly the same you know except change the name in the road and so so is that experience sure it is but it's not like flying in turbulence you know over the north atlantic hunting for german submarines you know that that's real that's flying experience yeah so so you know again getting back to the the slick marketing and how to get past that um it, it's kind of similar to you know, folks ask me, like, what insurance company should I get for my car insurance? Um, and, I, and I'll tell them, if you know the commercial, hmm. don't get that The one. jingle, yeah. <laughs> so how do you avoid that? But I wouldn't even know, like, a, a, an insurance company other than the ones there that are There still are old-fashioned insurance brokerages out there. You pay and a little they, and search, they just, and they shop, they, and they'll shop give you five, six different options, and they yeah. can actually probably save you enough money to to offset a part of their commission, you know, which is what they get. But they'll open up the door to insurance companies that, like you say, you didn't know exist out there. And there's some really good ones. They are better than the five or six ones that we all see, the billboards and the gorilla or the... What's the, the lady with the yeah the, the lady the with lab the code? I mean, and and look, it doesn't mean any of those people, anybody that works for those companies is not a bad person. We're not saying that, but they sell a limited value product. And one of the first things I do, and I hate to do this, but but Bruce, I'm sure you people do the same, is when you get that police report from an auto accident case, the first box you look at is the right side of the police report where the defendant, the liable party is, and you go down about six lines, I want to know where they live, I want to know what kind of car they were driving, and I want to know who their insurance yeah, company yeah, was true. in we, that order. We make assumptions based on that, but you know, you mentioned Joe Murphy and getting to trial those cases, it's because Joe's firm represented one of the worst insurance carriers in the state. They, they were bottom feeders that insured the worst drivers with the worst records, but you know provided minimum limits coverage to anybody who wanted it and would pay for it. And guess what? They're causing a lot of crashes, and, and that company's philosophy was, we'll insure anybody, but we're not going to pay anything. You know, and 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 if we lose, we only lose twenty five grand because at the time it was fifteen thousand yeah. policy limits. Yeah, because that's that's the only policy they sell. And if they get a case that's very clear liability with really bad damages, they just cut the check for the policy limit, and move on to the next one. You know, and so um, it, it really does matter. You know, ultimately the insurance you have matters to um, how things are going to affect you. Are you going to end up getting sued because you saved one hundred fifty dollars? on insurance because you only shopped price and you didn't shop quality. Well, are you going to get screwed by who your lawyer is because you only shopped these optics and you didn't shop for the substance of who that is? Um, 
going back to like the old ways, right? Like I've, I've had people ask me, can you provide me references, right? And, and I thought, sure, I hear some references. And, and, I, and I said, here's this judge. I just tried a case in his court last month. I think he would tell you I did a great job and I know the law. Here's another judge in a different county. You can call them and, and get a reference from them. Here's this judge. And because and, and, I'm thinking, why wouldn't you want to hear from the people who observe That's lawyers right. every single day and are in the best position right. to give you an Makes evaluation? Sense. Yeah, but, but we've got lawyers on in the media. $10 million verdict, sure. you know, $50 million last month. It's just like, yeah. give me a break. Well, anyway, so, so this particular client says, well, this particular perspective client says, well, don't you have any satisfied clients who will recommend you, or is it just judges? <laughs> That's like, yeah, I've got a list of those, too. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, but, but I but, figure you want to talk to the people I, that see it. And, and when I told the person, That's, I said, I can, give you, I can give you a thousand clients' names that, that are happy with me, but they only basically have experience with one lawyer, and that's me. You know, maybe they have more, but they don't know every lawyer, right? So they, they know point. me. So, so um, not everybody has access to get a judge's opinion on these things, but the point being, you can get references. And, and you know, like Ray's talking about medical care. Yeah, you know, you don't necessarily have to trust your family doctor to give you the opinion on the best specialist for whatever it is you might need that, that inner ear cancer you're, you're, you're working on. But when you look your, you know, your doctor in the eye and, and say, if this were your spouse or this were you, who would you see? We're going to be three names of the doctors that you would go to for this problem. And they give you those three names. There's some value to that. Sure. And, and it should be if there's anybody you trust that's a professional that knows the field beyond just who has the slickest ad and the most billboards and who's wrapped a Marta bus um, because it's the worst of the worst. Like the more blatant the advertising is, I can just tell you from very personal experience, and, and of course it's generalizing, but their approach to the practice of law is as a business. It's not as to this legal profession where you, where you are trying to and can get the best results for each individual client. You, they just can't operate that way because they have to pay back their loans, they have to pay back the bank, they have to keep this Play-Doh factory churning to put more dough in the top to spit out more product at the end to keep it working. And again, at many of the big volume personal injury firms, the young associates, they may be working with a base salary, but they're also working on sort of a commission basis. You know, they, they eat what they kill. Well, you take some 29-year-old lawyer who just got out of law school, owes $115,000 in school loans, would love to have a new BMW and a condo in, in Atlanta. And there's a case that if we settle now for less than it's really worth, I can make those payments this month. But if I kick it over to the trial lawyer division, it might not get settled for a year. I might not see my bonus. Or they may roll the dice, and no matter how good I think the case was, it didn't come out that well. So, again, an established law firm that uh, is not doesn't have the wolf at the door, you know, has has good associates, good resources. Get a couple of referrals or do a couple of interviews. You know, with Zoom, you don't even have to leave the house to come see me anymore. I'll be happy, you know, if you want to do a 25, 30 minute Zoom consultation, I always say, text me or email me the citations, <laughs> you know, usually these are DUI cases and someone's got got to go to work the next day. I said, just let's cut out 30 minutes, cut out the travel in Atlanta. And you can see me, you know, you, we can we can do this together. And if you don't like it, well, there's no shortage of other good lawyers in this town. To, Ray, to Ray's point as well about who is handling your case and what's their motivation. Um, in my practice, we recently were hiring um, 
a new staff member, what they call a case manager, somebody who is very hands-on with the clients. And as I talked to two candidates for this job, both were at high-volume, big-advertiser law firms, um, and they're describing to me the things they're doing. And it's legal work. It, it's, it's the stuff that lawyers are supposed to be doing. And, and they're making every single decision. They're doing everything themselves as staff at these firms. And, and I said, what do the lawyers do on the cases? And both of their responses in separate interviews were essentially nothing. I don't know. <laughs> I've been doing I it. I don't know because they're not involved. And, and, and so, you know, you've got staff members uh, who don't have training and experience as lawyers, certainly not as trial lawyers, making very critical decisions, making all the recommendations to the clients, telling the clients what to do and how to do it, when that's the job of a lawyer. And, and, and at these larger firms that are the, the monster advertisers that are the first ones you see on Google and they're the billboards and the bus wraps and the TV ads, you have to ask who's really doing the work there. And, and, and you know, if they're looking at, if I have a $20,000 case and there's a $7,000 offer, are they incentivized to settle my case for seven and move me through the process and convince me that I'm getting a good deal rather than fight for me to get the 20 that I really deserve, as opposed to somebody who is going to rely on taking care of each individual client so that you recommend me to the ne- to your friends and your family and you come back three years later when you have another one of these, as opposed to the TV lawyer and the big advertiser who's like, I don't care if I do a good job for you because my next client is not coming from your recommendation. Mm-hmm. My next client is coming from wrapping that bus and... Having and a Google search. And that's right. And, and that's it. And, and, and right. I don't have to have satisfied clients to get that. If a client comes to me and says, Tug recommended you to me, then then I, you know, the last thing I want Tug to do, I want that client to be happy. And I want Tug to say, hey, what happened, man? <laughs> you know, Absolutely. How's my mama? <laughs> no, I, there's such a burden on lawyers like me and Ray when you get a recommendation sure. from a friend or a referral from a right. friend. Um, it, because you just know, it's like... I, I'd never want anybody to be anything other than a thousand percent happy with the result we get. So let's say you're convicted. Let's say you get in trouble. Let's say you hire one of these these bad lawyers, the ones that have slick the slickest of marketing, and you feel like you didn't get good representation. If you're convicted, can you get a new trial because of ineffective representation? We'll discuss that next on Extra 1063. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car-buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. 
And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout metro atlanta jim ellis automotive where you can always expect the best this is your day in court with bruce hagan and ray judice on extra 106.3 welcome back to your day in court with renowned lawyers bruce hagan and ray judice not better lawyers in town in the state in the country for that matter in this last segment though i want to focus on ineffective counsel let's say you are convicted and you feel like you've just not been represented well is it impossible to get another trial is it impossible to prove that you didn't have good counsel and they weren't steering you down the right path? Before I was a personal injury lawyer and, and when I first launched my own practice in 1992, my specialty was whatever you needed, and that included some criminal defense work. I would joke with my clients and say, hey, look at the bright side. If you end up getting convicted, at least we know that you have a good argument for ineffective yeah, right, assistance of right. counsel, because <laughs> I really didn't know what I was doing in, in a criminal case back then, and I wouldn't know what I'm doing now. But it's a little bit more than just that. Where this came up recently is I was listening to a an amazing podcast called Bone Valley. And it is by this journalist, Gilbert King, that I hope we can get to come on the show with us one day. But it's an incredible, horrible story of just the justice system failing this one person who was convicted of murdering his wife. Uh, It's a nine-part podcast that is absolutely worth the listen, Bone Valley. But one of the challenges that came up was that the lawyer who defended this young man at the trial clearly didn't do a great job, didn't investigate, didn't follow up with witnesses and run down the details of the things you would like to have brought up in a murder trial. And so there came an ineffective assistance of counsel was being the basis then for trying to overturn that conviction. But it takes more than just saying that, yeah, I got a bad result. The standard for the opposite, which would be called effective assistance of counsel, is pretty low. You uh, went to law school. Yep. Passed the bar exam. First or second try. Yep. You've been practicing for five years. Yep. You've had a couple of cases. Yep. You're almost good to go unless you make a fatal flaw within the trial. Okay. So it's very rarely a focus on experience. Although, for example, in Georgia, and we have the death penalty here in Georgia, you have to be death penalty certified as a lawyer to represent someone charged with the death penalty. The district attorneys don't have that burden, but you're going to find a senior district attorney and a whole team on a death penalty case because there are so many ways to have a, a death penalty case reversed. That's about it in the criminal defense world. Now, if there's a case, I'll, I'll plead guilty to the following. The science of DNA, DNA science, I have an, a vague idea about it. Client contacted me. If they wanted to retain me, I'd be retained, but then I would bring on a lawyer, when Bruce and I both know several, who do those kind of cases. But basically, and, and same in the, in the med- legal malpractice world, you have to make a pretty egregious mistake, uh, something that if, and anyone would know, or uh, you just neglected to do something. You didn't file within the statute of limitations. You didn't interview crucial witnesses that came back to haunt the case. And and 
I know that on the civil side, for for example, legal malpractice, there it has to be that okay, this it's not just that the lawyer made a mistake, but it's that that mistake is what cost you from a successful result. Is it the same thing with ineffective assistance of counsel where it's, you know, a judge might look at this and say that, yeah, your lawyer should have done X, Y, and Z, but even with that, even with that, had he done it, you still would have been convicted. And so we're That's not, right. we're not going to overturn this result and give you a new trial based on ineffective assistance of counsel when ultimately it's the judge's opinion that had it been done effectively still would not have made a difference. Yeah. And this is one of the areas where, uh, you wonder, you know, who to who to hire because you really do want a lawyer in the criminal world, especially that is familiar with the courthouse that your case pens in. Now, look, there's what 158 counties in the state of Georgia. I think there are 159, 159, and almost every one of them has got a, a county courthouse and at least one, if not more, judges. And there's just no way for Ray Judice here in Roswell, Atlanta, GA, to know all those judges and all those DAs and solicitor generals and the local sheriff to know, to really give good advice. Can I, can you hire me and I can find the gal or guy in that county that is, you know, and associate them and pick their, yeah, we can do that. And that's a good way to do it too, you know. And even there, you you just are not 100% certain that you're going to get a local assistance. And and I'll give you uh, an example from this Bone Valley podcast in telling the story of this young man who was convicted. um, Initially, um, he was represented by the public defender in that county. And the public defender's office assigned their attorneys and their investigators, and they had a, a sizable budget to help do this. They had looked into the, the case and had the facts kind of down. Um, but through the jailhouse network, the young man behind bars was of the very firm belief that you don't use the public defender if you're facing a, a potential death penalty case or life imprisonment. You want to get this one guy, and it was an old guy in that county, and that's the guy you need to get. And so the family scraped together whatever they could scrape together to hire that man and replace the public defender. Um, This person who uh, ended up convicted never spoke to that lawyer, never met with him until the day before trial. Right. Day before trial, that night, the guy shows up at the jail cell to talk to him, tells him what plea uh, offer had been made that they turned down. Uh, and and tells them how the trial goes, and it's very clear that there's been minimal investigation, a lot of facts that weren't looked into. Um, the reporter uh, who investigated this did an incredible job of unearthing this, and even like tracks down the inspectors and the public defenders who were on it in the in the first instance to talk about the things that they had already done that the great lawyer in this tiny little you know part of Florida never did any of it. Um, and that part of this became the basis for the unsuccessful challenge. I really encourage you to listen to this. Yeah. It's an incredible listen. It's it's very frustrating as someone who believes in the American justice system. It's really frustrating when you run across an example that's this glaring of just total mishandling. of. Justice. And what happens, too, is with the legal resources provided by the state for let's just take death penalty cases, capital cases, is just totally lopped upside down. The 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 resources should be applied on the front end getting ready for trial or a plea bargain. But what we do is we we do the best we can with whether it's the public defender's office, the conflict defender's office, or the family scrapes together enough money to get a lawyer and a legal team. There's a conviction. And then what happens, and, and my ex-wife, who is a brilliant lawyer, was uh, 
with a big law firm, and those big law firms actually do a lot of death penalty cases in New York and D.C., the lawyers from those jurisdictions and others, and Barry Sheck from the Innocent Project, who we both have had the honor of meeting. And now there's real money with real lawyers, real investigators, I mean, top-notch. Not I don't mean to fault the folks that grind have to grind it out and overwhelm that the public defender's office with a lack of resources. But now there's unlimited resources, and that's why death penalty cases get overturned a whole lot. There you go. Uh, check out the podcast called Bone Valley. The, uh, the man who is doing it and the journalist is Gilbert Kingart. Quickly, wrapping up, folks need to get help uh, with y'all. Bruce, how do they get a hold of you? Easy to get me. I am not wrapped around any buses or on any billboards, but you can call me, 404-202-2233, hagen-law.com, and you can also email me, bruce at hagen-law.com. Happy to answer any of your questions, take care of any of your needs if we can. I was going to put my face on a billboard, but uh, various environmental protection agencies stepped in, that the animals, and there would be accidents, so we didn't do it. But because uh, it's so attractive, yeah, right? No, nah, well, yeah. attract you that's to a, it. That's, thank it. you, Tug. Thank you. Thank you, Tug. Birds <laughs> flying into the billboard committing suicide. That's right. That's I appreciate right. that. Four zero four nine six four forty one eighty five. RayJudicheLaw dot com. Uh, call me, Zoom me, email me, text me, Facebook me. The Twitter thing, I don't get. Don't Twitter me. I don't know what that's all about. My thumbs are are currently occupied. There you go. This is your day in court on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.